Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Oh, you got to love that intro. I never get tired of it. Seku Smith from NBA.com. Welcome to the 50th anniversary edition of the Hang Time Podcast. My <laughs> my co-host, Lang Whitaker. Listen, <laughs> I don't care. We, we turned 50 today, baby. Yes, this is, the, this is our 50th birthday. Uh, and and I, I figure it's worth the party. Let's let's soup it up. The 50th anniversary party. We've done, we've, we've done this 50 times. Uh, since we started, and that doesn't include our, our playoff podcast. Lang Whitaker, Slam Magazine, my my co-host Langston. I didn't I didn't know if we'd make it this far. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just you got no faith. <laughs> I thought they might have pulled the plug on us before. Now, Micah Hart, our they super actually, producer, they there. actually did. They pulled the plug four weeks ago. We just <laughs> I think Mike. If they have, Micah hasn't told us. We yeah. just keep sneaking into the into the studio here and knocking just it can out. Never find the right time to tell you. <laughs> By the way, guys. <laughs> no, it feels good though. It's 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 uh we've had some fun here on the Hangtime podcast. A uh, lot of good feedback from fans. Um tons of good guests and we certainly have more lined up for you today. Uh but before we go any further, Lang, I I know you got your passport stamped over the weekend. How how was your trip, sir? It was great. Spent the weekend in uh in Holland. Nice. Went to Amsterdam with the wife for a long weekend which was beautiful city i've never been there before yeah um the weather was perfect had a lot of great meals had a really good time and uh now i'm back <laughs> don't, actually you know, don't say it like that <laughs> well the funny thing was i i didn't get to see any of the ncaa games while i was there because well a because the time difference and b because they didn't have cbs in my hotel but uh i i did when i left all my final four teams were alive in my bracket. When I came back, all four of them were gone. So, <laughs> you and a lot of other people, my friend. Yeah. Um, not everyone has uh, gotten their week off to a rousing start, Lang. Uh, Mike, my, I saw Mike today. He's what happened? He comes trudging into the studio with this mean look on his face, like you know somebody stole his dog. Apparently, our, our friend here was in court today. Micah, what happened to you, bro? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, being a good citizen. Had a. Uh... <laughs> Speeding ticket that was totally justified, because I'm pretty sure sarcasm comes over pretty well over a, over a podcast. <laughs> I just, it's like, it's such a racket. I went in this morning for my court date, and like, at least 75% of the people there to pay speeding, speeding tickets 
we're going 41 in a 25 in a school zone. And mm-hmm. it just seems like that's a little too much of a coincidence to me. But Hey, we'll get- you know what you could have done? Not gone 41 in Exactly. A How about you didn't speak? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think I, I – I'm starting to think that I wasn't speeding now that everybody was going 41 apparently. All right. That's all right. You, listen, you'll get over it. It's, Slow down. Way to be a good citizen. Stay in your uh, lane. Yeah. The thing, honestly, the thing I'm most angry about is that it was a $19 charge to pay by credit card. How much was it? Or do you want? Do you not want to say? Uh, well, it was it was almost $200 in total, but the fine itself was only like 120. So, right. watch your speed. You know, they they get you with the fees. Just watch your slow speed. down. Yeah, watch your speed, buddy. I'm just School's gonna take a bike from now sake. on. Yeah. So yeah. school zone. Can Watch we get Segway as a uh, sponsor of the podcast? Maybe I use that. We could, I could live with that. I, th- I, kinda, I think I might pay money to see Micah riding a Segway around town. <laughs> so, so would Micah. <laughs> well, listen. We we uh, in addition to this being uh, the 50th episode of the Hang Time Podcast, got some great guests lined up, guys. It's final four week uh, in the in the uh, March Madness NCAA tournaments for both men and women. Um, so we'll definitely dive into some of that later on here in the show. But uh, last night, big game in Cleveland, Lang. Did you get a chance to watch the Cleveland Cavaliers knock off the Miami Heat? I did indeed. Uh, and, and I started this debate last night on Twitter and almost got myself in some serious trouble. Um, but I watched the fourth quarter. My next-door neighbor and I, Carl Bluen, is my next-door neighbor, great guy. New Orleans native, and we we sat at his house and watched the fourth, you know, the the second half of the game together. Because so I told him, I said, "Hey man, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come over to your house. Let's watch, let's watch the end of this game and see if Cleveland can hold on." Halfway through the fourth quarter, it, it kind of hit me. I was like, "Man, LeBron is passing up shots. He looks timid. He's not, you know, he's not being aggressive. He had like Christian Ainga and Anthony Parker guard him at times, and was not going to the basket. I mean, it just seemed apprehensive to me. And he, he had missed some shots, so I don't know if that was part of it." I made the foolish mistake of saying it and writing it on Twitter, and the flood of of responses was insane. Like people telling me, "Ah, oh, you know, can't believe you, you know you're going off on LeBron. He's got a triple double. What more do you want him to do?" Now, the the debate comes in the numbers, and I've heard people, you know, these the stats and how you make peace with those with what you see during a game, what you watch. Right? Am I am I was I wrong to criticize LeBron in that way? I To me, the thing I noticed really was how much more energetic Cleveland played. Mm-hmm. Not so much. I mean, he did have a triple-double. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's hard to – you, you feel thought, bad knocking him, but – I thought I thought the guys on Cleveland looked – I mean, con- comparing this to the, that first time they played, <laughs> it was it was a totally different team, and they had a different attitude. Right. And, uh, they deserve to win that game. They played really hard. Right. You're, you're always such a glass uh, half full kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, I felt because I felt bad after. It. I was like, man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too harsh, Mike. I didn't I didn't know if I'm a good compliment to you though in that way. <laughs> I just think that that was kind of like the Super Bowl for Cleveland. I mean, yeah. they got that win. They don't have to win. I mean, I guess there's not that many games left, but it seems to me <laughs> they don't need any more wins this season. Well, <laughs> thanks, Micah. They may not get any more. You know. Uh, no, it, it was just interesting. I, you know. Because LeBron has been – that's the one thing a lot of people like to bang on him about is that, hey, you know, he, he's not a guy who comes through, you know, and with these clutch performances in the fourth quarter, which I think is – generally is nonsense. I think if you look over the course of his career, um, you don't win as much as LeBron has and not be uh, a clutch player. Um, right. 
But that last night, it just it kind of hit me at one point. I thought, man, you know, they they went so long without him making a play or making a shot, and you know, anywho, uh, big games coming up as well. Thursday night game on uh, TNT, Lang, uh, the the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a game I am really looking forward to watching because these guys are locked into a fight for that number two spot. Well, the other game's good, too. And the, well, I was going to say, in the other game before that, go, you go ahead. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great great lineup on uh, TNT. Boston, San Antonio. Exactly. Two teams that have struggled a little bit lately. That should be interesting to watch, too. We talked about this on the beat yesterday on NBA TV. Do you think uh, the Celtics is a time to panic? It, I don't know if it's time to panic. Um, I said it was. I said you could be concerned. Yeah, you panic, can start biting your nails. I don't know if it's time a to strong panic. Word. Um, but even then, I'm, I don't think if you're a Celtics fan, you should be that concerned. But a, they've got all these veteran guys. B, remember last year they they I think they were three and seven their last ten games heading into the to postseason, and they still made it to the finals. Well, the Lakers were three and eight, I think, right. in the last eleven. You know, and, so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it goes hand in hand. They, these are teams that know how to turn it on. Yeah, and I think of turning it up when they there's obviously to. things. Well, you know, San Antonio has the injuries right now, but with Boston, there's obviously things they they need to improve on offensively and and defensively. But I, I don't think you know where they're in a tailspin out of control right now or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, could, they could be the Knicks. I mean, you talk about a team that was in full blown panic mode. Uh-huh. You know, in the last few days, um, that was one thing you probably missed when you were out of town is how bad. I mean, it got even worse. <laughs> then before you left, I mean, it was uh, some of the stuff that was coming out of New York, you know, over the weekend before they finally ended that losing streak and kind of got the monkey off their back just a little bit. Um, right. It was it was getting it was bordered on crazy. Uh, some of the stories and rumors you were hearing about what was wrong with the Knicks and who you know who was rumored to you know be on their way out. It's like, come on now. I mean, do you think do you think we we panic a little too much about all these teams? Um, yeah. Well, especially now. Just, you know, this what, time of year, most yeah. Most teams have like eight or nine games left, seven or eight or nine, and right. uh, playoffs are right around the corner, and everyone's uh, anxious right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how the how this plays out and the who what kind of matchups we end up with in the first round because there's some potentially great matchups floating around out there. What name? I mean, if if we went by what it looks like right now, okay. Um, as of this minute, you can find the playoff picture. This is a totally uh, disingenuous, uh, you know, lick for for the home team here at NBA.com. You can get on on our playoff picture page, and you can see whatever the matchup is at this moment. If the playoff started today, Eastern Conference first round laying Bulls and Pacers, yeah, Celtics Knicks, Heat Sixers, and Magic Hawks. That Celtics Knicks one jumps out at me. Yes. Um, yes. Just for headlines, if nothing else. And the attention that will be paid to that. But I think that Philly-Miami would be interesting. The, the way uh, Philly's played, it, it yeah. could be really interesting. Um, yeah, I think that could be a really uh, interesting series to watch. And, I, I mean, the one series out of all these, we didn't even go through the West, but the one that I I think could be just fantastic to watch would be Oklahoma City-Denver. Well, yeah, if you look at the West, it's it's the Spurs-Grizzlies, Lakers-Hornets, which would be really interesting, yeah. um, mavericks and Trailblazers, which I would love to get yep. get a chance to see some of that. And then, like you said, that Thunder Nuggets. And the Nuggets have played really well since Carmelo Anthony uh, was and Chauncey Billups got traded away. And the Thunder is a team that a lot of people think could be the dark horse pick in yep. the West after getting Kendrick Perkins and Najee Muhammad, those guys. Lang, do you, I mean, if, we, if we're talking 
potential upsets. Who do you, who would you think had the best chance to upset somebody in a first round series if you're one of these bottom four teams in either uh, either conference? It's a great question. I'm I'm looking through right now. Um, if I had to pick one. Well, you know, one that no one we haven't mentioned, no one's talked about, and it's not. What about Atlanta, Orlando? Do you think there's a chance? I mean, the Hawks got swept by them in the past. But. Yeah, I mean, they lead the season series right now, you know, today, and and they play um, Wednesday night in, in Atlanta, so they, they could be it could be tied up, or they could they could have the season series three one, depending on what happens in that game. I don't, I don't, I don't trust the Hawks enough to to pick <laughs> them to win. All right. Um, that series, if if the roles were reversed and the Hawks were four and the Magic were five, and you know, and, the, and Atlanta had that home court, maybe uh, you know I could see them getting past Orlando. But they've had, they've had such problems with Orlando in the past, um, and especially in the playoffs last year, getting swept. I, I don't right. know. Uh, you know. What's your, well, give me what's your upset special? <laughs> you know, if if I'm just looking at them, uh, you know, somebody that could get popped. Um, and I don't know. I don't even know if it's if if that's the right word for. It. But somebody that could get you know be made really nervous about what goes on in the series. That Dallas Portland series would frighten me if I was yeah. the Mavericks. Um, only because you know you, you're missing some key pieces if you're Dallas, and you've been played really well, obviously, um, right there in the top, you know, three all basically all season long in, in the standings in the Western Conference. But Portland's one of those teams in the playoffs that would just make me nervous. I mean, right. They they have so many different combinations. And Nate McMillan's done a fabulous job. They got a veteran point guard, Andre Miller, and then they got Batum and Lamarcus Aldridge, guys that are you know two guys that are playing basically the best we've seen them play. Right. Um, and you throw Gerald Wallace into the mix, you know that that could be problems. True. Um, but but Dallas is such a strong team. I mean, there's a reason that these teams that are, that have earned home court or will have earned home court will have it. I mean, it, they've done it over the you know the course of a season, and uh, you know they've earned the right to have that advantage and I, I would have a hard time seeing any of these teams really springing an upset. I'm just just for conversation's sake though, I think that one would be interesting. And you know, I I still I'm still apprehensive about that Hawks, you know, uh How matchup. crazy how crazy is it that Dallas is 31 games over 500 and they'd still be the third seed. No. I know. The West is a I mean it's a beast. Yeah. Um you know, and the top really the top 4 on both sides you look at the look at those teams. Could you see yeah. any of those? Orlando is basically the only one that I still have championship questions about. The rest, of the everybody else, the seven other teams, I wouldn't be stunned at all to see them in the finals. Yeah, I, mean I wouldn't that. write off Orlando I mean yet, though. Yeah, and I'm not writing them off. I'm just saying I still have some questions. Gilbert hasn't. Gilbert has never really gotten into a groove yeah. um, since he got down there, and I'm you know, and I'm really wanted to see Hito and and Gilbert and Jason Richardson play. And kind of take that team to another level, and really, to me, it's been Dwight Howard more yeah. more than it's been any of the the new additions they've had. So, um, but just I mean, it's just interesting. I, we're jumping we're jumping the gun a little bit on the on the playoffs here. We still got a, still got a few regular season games left to get done with here. But I'm I think I'm, we're like a lot of other people. We're anxious to see how these teams are going to get off, you know, and get get into each other come playoff time. So our Lang, our first guest. Um, on the show today is a guy we we just talked about him. I'm glad we're talking to him after I mentioned that the Mavericks might be uh, a team that should be on the lookout because I don't want him getting upset with me. Um, 
But we got a special guest who's got some some March Madness connections as well as some ties, obviously, to that Mavericks team that's going to be on TNT uh, Thursday night in in that uh, doubleheader here. And uh, and we got to give a major shout out to Micah Hart, our super producer, for for working the lines and getting these these great guests lined up for us. But our, our first one here is a guy we've been wanting to talk to all season. Joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast, the special 50th edition birthday episode, we got Karan Butler of the Dallas Mavericks, formerly of the UConn Huskies. Karan, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, big week, obviously, for your uh, Huskies and your Mavericks. Uh, the Huskies in the Final Four again. Uh, Mavs got the Lakers Thursday night in a big game. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this UConn basketball team. And I know with all the alums running around the, the NBA, you guys probably are tweeting and emailing and texting each other about it. How how good is this to see Jim Calhoun and this team in the Final Four? It's a great feeling, you know, just to, you know, see see the guys go out there and play their heart out and, you know, get you know get out what they put in. And, um, you know, Coach Calhoun's a great coach. Uh, he's getting the most out of kids' ability. And, you know, Kimball Walker is just, you know, playing out of his mind right now. Karan, did you guys see this coming at all? I mean, I know you you cheer for your team, but did you think this was going to be a Final Four team? I mean, me, I'm a, I'm a guy that roots UConn all day. You know, right. whenever we do brackets or anything, I'm just, you know, in my heart, you know, whether it's, you know, selfish or whatever reasons, I just can't cheer for nobody else. I'm always rooting for my Huskies. And, you know, um, my bracket looking real good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you got bragging rights in the locker room right about now, oh, too. Oh, <laughs> I'm the only one standing, especially after we ran through Arizona. Jet, Jet was really mad. <laughs> I like how he said my bracket's looking really good. And he laughed like, <laughs> like he knew. Exactly. Hey, Karan, what what do you think about Kimball Walker? His name's been – he's been chatted about quite a bit, you know, with the tournament, especially the Big East tournament, as a pro. Like, how, how do you see him translating his skills to the NBA game? I think I think easily just because of his speed, his quickness, uh, uh, his versatility, uh, defending the one position, uh, his ball handling, creating for others, his unselfishness, and you know knowing when to take over when he has to, and he can make the outside shot, and he can penetrate and get in get in there and finish, you know, with the best of them. So I like what I see out of him. You know, he's showing that he can be a true point guard. He can score or you know whatever it takes, he can get it done you know, with the guys around him, and he can uplift the talent. And, you know, that's the, the beautiful thing about Kimball right now, you know, getting the most out of the players around him. Yeah. Karana, let's talk about you. I know you went underwent surgery on January 4th, and uh, you've been rehabbing. How's that going? How are you feeling right now? Oh, going real good. You know, I'm actually uh, in the gym rehabbing now and, you know, stopped to do the interview, and, you know, it's a pleasure doing it. And, you know, I'm <laughs> feeling great, you know, feeling real good, you know, physically, mentally, and, you know, trying to get back as soon as possible. What do you do? Like, what do you do most of the day? Do you rehab and then take some time off and let it rest and watch TV? I'm just curious what your days are like now. Man, I live in my workplace, man. You know, <laughs> seriously. You know, I I I, I do the, uh, the the treadmill in the water. I get up and lift. Uh, do the hyperbaric chamber every day. Mm. You know, um, I sit around, do a couple of interviews, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and hit the court, do some spot shooting, uh, move around a little bit, and do the same thing. You know, so I'm going two, three times a day and just trying to stay on it, biking, elliptical, everything. Wow. Karan, uh, when you, you mentioned hoping to get back as soon as possible, what what have they told you in terms of a, uh, a an early date when you could possibly return? I mean, me coming back for the playoffs is still a realistic goal mm-hmm. and, you know, something that, you know, I look forward to doing and, 
you know, let's see what happens. Okay. Um, so let's let's look to the playoffs since we're looking in that direction <laughs> and, and you're looking for that. Um, I know it's not nothing set, you know, as far as who who's going to play who in the in the first round, but um, how do you feel about Dallas's chances this season? Uh, I feel real good. I mean, we have a real good ball club. We're very deep, um, you know, at numerous positions, and you know, guys are really just playing great right now. You know, perfecting their roles and playing at a high level. And you know, obviously, it starts with Dirk. Uh, Jason Terry been a closer, you know, for the majority of the season for us. You know, um, you know, Jason Kidd, you know, is doing some magnificent things out there. You know, everybody just stepping up in major ways and performing at a high level. Karan, there's been a, a, a healthy debate going on around the MVP discussion this year and, and, who, and who who that guy should be. I, <laughs> That's I, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think players – I think it should be a peer vote. I, I don't know why the the players don't vote on that because I think it would be a much more authentic vote if it came from the players. Who what is What would your ballot look like if you had an MVP vote? I mean, and this top five in no order. Um, you know, obviously Kobe Bryant's always up there because, you know, Kobe Bryant, one of the best skilled players ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the Lakers are still, you know, one of the top-tier teams, back-to-back champs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always got to put him in the mix. Obviously, Dirk, uh, uh, Derrick Rose right there, mm-hmm. uh, LeBron James, you know, Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, mean, I, know you, I know you said this is no particular order, but you did mention <laughs> Kobe Bryant first. Should we, should we read anything into that or no? I mean, it's just, you know, Kobe's been doing it, you know, um, Sometimes you take for granted, you know. Yeah. You know, sometimes you know, guys are so great and so consistent over the years, you take for granted of what you're seeing. So you got to always, you know, just remember what this guy is doing on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, he's he's not having, you know, no days off. You know, he's just continues to bring it, you know, night in and night out. Then you look at LeBron, you know, to still do that with, you know, two superstars on the floor with him. Mm-hmm. You know, his numbers is, you know, still just outrageous. And then, you know, Derrick Rose, you know, um, not having a consistent sidekick all season long. Right, right. And he's performing at an extreme high level. Carlos Boozer being in and out with injury, Joakim Noah, you know, being out, and Luau Dang, you know, uh, he, you know, being healthy for a full season, performed at a high level. And obviously you look at Dirk, you know, doing what he's doing and, you know, the math, you know, right there. No, that's that's true. And, you know, it's, it's funny. So many people have talked about what could, you know, possibly transpire in the playoffs if you come back. Do you feel like the Mavericks obviously get a huge boost and maybe that changes whatever playoff fate may be in store for that team? I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn. Go ahead. We don't mind. If I come back healthy, you know, uh, it changes the scope of everything. So we'll see what happens. Right. I like that. What do you you bring if if you come back healthy, Karan? I mean, obviously I'm going to bring, you know, scoring, leadership, you know, um, defensive presence as well at the 2-3 position and, you know, another guy that can, you know, get it done, you know, on both ends of the floor. You know, I'm a guy that make my teammates better as well. So you have numerous guys out there like that. You know, um, we're a dangerous squad to contend with. No doubt about it. Well, man, a big game tomorrow night, obviously. Uh, the the UConn Huskies in the Final Four. If they get to that Monday night game, sh- should we expect to see you somewhere in that crowd in Houston? Uh, you're going to see me Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dallas the hot skip of the jump. So you're going to see me in the crowd already. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 just a, a great accomplishment for the men and women. You know, let's not leave out the leave out the women because they balling at an extreme high That's level. True. That's Maya right. Moore, man, she's That's unbelievable, right. man. Maya Moore. Yeah, I, I was we were at Slam. We had a meeting today, and we were talking about Maya Moore and how 
no one really talks about her because everyone's focused on the men. But, I mean, you've seen a lot of good female players come through UConn through the years. How do you rate Maya against all of them? Well, I mean, I would have I would have to say Diana Taurasi is the right. best, you know, female player that I've seen. You know, she used to play pickup with the fellas. <laughs> but on the same note, you know, Maya Moore, uh, Nikisha Sales, you know, um, Rebecca Lobo, mm-hmm. you know, they all right there, you know, they all right there scratching the surface. And, you know, let's see what happens when Maya – you know, comes to the next level and perform at a high level. If she can win a couple of chips on this level, then you're talking about her and Diana. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. I I would imagine that there you won't be the only alum in those stands Saturday night. Uh, have you guys talked about getting together down there and, and meeting up? I mean, I already know they're gonna come out because <laughs> uh, you know uh, Mecca was already out at the last game and Jake Bosco <laughs> as well. So I'm pretty sure the guys gonna be flocking in. You know, Ray's always a guy that you know. I'll make his way to the, the big games, you know, but I'll be there. Pretty sure Ben and Charlie and some of those guys will come as well. But it's just it's just a great moment, you know, for our franchise and for our family at UConn. No doubt about it, man. Well, listen, we appreciate it. Listen, next time we talk to you, I'm, I'm hoping it's after a playoff game when you get done doing a little business, man. That's what's up. All right. We appreciate it. Karan Thanks, Butler Karan. joining us, man. Thank you so no much. Problem. All Take right. Care. I already liked him before we got a chance to talk to him on the podcast, Lang, but I like – I mean – down there to, you know, um, totally. Uh, you know, those are those are my favorite kinds in the league, man. It's good luck to Karan Butler coming back from that knee injury, and uh, you know, hopefully, we get a chance to see him in the playoffs doing his thing again. Lang, I, I, I mentioned that we were going to have some guests on the show today that uh, had some NBA and and March Madness ties, uh, certainly with the Final Four uh, in Houston this weekend. Uh, Karan Butler and that, that UConn Husky crowd and all those guys from, from UConn that are in the NBA, one of the few schools that could really rival them for, uh, you know, what they've done at the college level and then the the, the players they've put into the NBA is the University of Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. And and a guy that you you and I both have come across over our years and, and watched him play it extensively, no longer actually in the NBA but actually in the D-League Uh Antoine Walker, uh, playing nowadays with the Idaho Stampede, and our friend Randy Livingston, who was on an early episode of the Hangtime Podcast here with us. Um, we're going we're gonna to get him on here next, Lane, because I'm curious what what it looks like to him, you know, seeing Kentucky under yet another coach, uh, you know, reaching the Final Four and really playing at a high level. And I also, also like to, to kind of ask him what he – what he thinks of this NBA season and impose our MVP question to him as well. So uh, Antoine Walker, like I mentioned, uh, joining us now on the hang time podcast. Twan, how you doing, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, Sekou Smith here and Lang Whitaker from slam magazine with me as well, man. Um, first and foremost, man, how's the season going with the, with the stampede? It's going good. Uh, got this weekend coming up to see if we can get in the playoffs, but, we got down when I got down here. We was behind the eight ball. We was on seven, on eight. So worked our way back close to five hundred. So we're gonna see if we can get in the playoffs. But it's going good. How how are you feeling, Swan? How's your game coming around? Oh, good. It's been going good. Um, enjoying back playing, enjoying the opportunity to play again. The competition here in, in the in the D League is real good. Guys play hard every night. So it's been fun just competing and playing again. So I've I've enjoyed it. Twan, we we talked earlier with Karan Butler, and he didn't he didn't sell any wolf tickets about what was going to happen at the Final Four this weekend. <laughs> but we imagine <laughs> we imagine that the the Kentucky and UConn alums in the NBA 
have probably been in touch with each other a little bit about what <laughs> might go down this weekend in Houston. Um, I actually <laughs> wish they could have had the opportunity to play in a championship game. I think it would have been better. Right. Uh, not taking anything away from VCU or Butler. But um, it should be good. I think uh, this has been a surprise year, I think, for Kentucky, just as far as, you know, to lose first five guys in the first round. And to come back the way they did this year to be in the Final Four, I think is is a compliment to Coach Calipari. But just the players, the young guys, they they responded well. In the two games, they beat Ohio State and North Carolina back-to-back. You can't ask for anything more than that. So this is a special year. Right. Tanya, we all know you grew, you're a Chicago guy, but did you follow Kentucky growing up? Did you know about, like, the, the, the Wildcat Nation that travels around and what a big deal it is there? <laughs> no, when I was getting recruited in high school, I just um, – I just love that style. I was a huge Jamal Mashburn fan. Uh-huh. I kind of, you know, thought my game was kind of similar to his. And I, I was just a huge fan of, of the style of play they had. So um, when Coach Patino came in on the home visit, it kind of just sold me. And I, it was easy for me to, to pick Kentucky. But as a kid, no. For me as a kid, a Chicago kid, I was more of a DePaul fan, uh-huh. a Notre Dame fan, Illini. Them are the teams that I pretty much followed as a kid growing up in college. Mm. Twana, it cracks me up now. I see Tony Delk sitting on that bench at Kentucky. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel old seeing him sitting over there after watching you guys play, you know, in some final in the Final Four and win a championship. I mean, what is that like for you now to to sit back and see these young kids basically following in y'all's footsteps? Oh, it's great. I, you know, man, I think what Cal did bringing in Tony, I think last year he had Tony and Scott Padgett, and I think he actually has Wayne Turner on the staff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to be around those guys, and, and I mean, it's, it's it's a great feeling. I mean, um, to be down there, uh, to see how the school has changed so much, um, you know, the facilities are much better, um, and just know that we was a part of that and building that and, and getting the school to that level. Um, was just terrific. I mean, that's, it's just a great feeling. Um, and you just, as a Kentucky person, you you just feel like you're still a part of it. You know, it's, it's hard to get removed from it. So we all still feel a part of it. I, the thing I remember, Twan, from you playing in Kentucky was after every basket, you jumping on the inbounds, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they had you chasing that guy down so he couldn't get the pass in. And but the style you guys played that you talked about, it's different than what they play now, but they're still successful. Does that speak more to just the school's ability to to recruit that kind of talent? Yeah, I I, I think um, you know I think it had a little little problem. I think Coach Coach Patino after he left, it kind of had a little drought. I think Tubby still did a good job with Rondo, Tayshawn Prince, and, and Keith Bogus and those guys. Um, Gillespie, I don't know what happened with that whole situation, <laughs> but <laughs> that was a little raggedy. But I think Coach Cal was you know coming in and. You know, and him recruiting blue chippers was has kind of kept it up there, and that's what Kentucky basketball is all about: um, getting the best talent in the country and getting it to match together, and and playing the Final Fours, and and that's been the kind of the makeup since Coach Patino has took over, took it over. So, um, I think Coach Cal has done a terrific job in recruiting to lose five first rounders and to come back and then have another class come in and, and to get to the you know the Final Four. It's a, it's a testament to the school and, and their commitment. But the, the kids that want to come there and play, I think the style of play, whether it's pressing or the way Coach Cowles plays, it's still up tempo. People love the style of play. And people understand when you go on your visit, it's tough not to sign them, man. It's, it's, you know, we, we make you feel like you're a pro. Right. <laughs> Twan, you mentioned seeing Wayne Turner and, and Tony Delk and those guys and, and – 
them being mentors to the younger guys. You're still playing, but in some ways, uh, is that kind of the role you're in uh, there in the dealing? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you come back individually, come work back, but I mean, to get back to play for myself, but right. I mean, guys have so many questions because I've played with so many different guys that's been on so many different teams and, and wanted no experience, and this league is so young. Um, so you got guys that are coming out of school. They definitely want to know what it takes to get there. So, yeah, in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of different scenarios, the smallest scenarios that you ever could think of to, you know, you're always talking to guys about the league and getting there uh, from work ethic to how, how they practice in the NBA, how guys do it, you know, off the court, on the court. I mean, it's every little possible thing they want to know about. So you do find yourself giving up a lot of information. Antoine, before experiencing the D-League, Tell tell me what your view of the D League was then, and what it is now, having been through it and and realizing its place in connection with the NBA and basketball overall. Um, not coming in, I, I actually didn't know uh, what to expect. I think um, you know, coming in, I, I just knew it was an opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people don't understand it, it does have a lot of NBA uh, affiliation, but at the same time. I think the league can be a lot better if the NBA gets more involved in it after playing in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's still some a lot of missing loopholes in the in the league because if if it's good enough to send your players down here, it's good enough to I think for you to be more involved. Mm-hmm. I think they do a lot of these guys are injustice for the pay scale that mm-hmm. they have set up right now. I think it's it's bad because you have some younger guys down here that sometimes have young kids. They have kids at the age of you know twenty one, twenty two, and and the salaries that they have in place right now is impossible for these guys to, to stay here for a long time. So it, it waters down the league, mm-hmm. and you get a lot of guys coming in and out. So it's not it's not more of a team-oriented league because mm-hmm. of the pay scale. And I think the league needs to do something about that because you have so many guys out here that want to play, that can play at the next level, but they're not going to give themselves too much of a chance because they can't you know, make you know, a living out here. Right. So I think it needs that affiliation. Um Another big difference, the travel's different. I mean, you fly commercial, you fly early, you connect a lot to where in the NBA, to where the NBA, you know, obviously, you know, you fly private, you leave the same night. Right. Um, living accommodations are pretty good. I think they have us all standing in pretty nice accommodations. That That is fine. And, and if depending if you don't have money or not, you got a roommate on the road. That's different, too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's a lot of little small stuff that you don't think about when you come play that that's, that's like a big culture shock to you sometimes. But besides that, but the good thing about it is that it is good basketball. It is good competition. Um, but the NBA does need to get involved in it with the pay scale and, and making it a little better because guys do come down here and work hard. So if you, if it's good enough to send your players down here, I think it's good enough for them to get involved a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Well, Twan, you, uh, you keep an eye, I know on everything y'all got going on with the stampede, and you got to find them for a busy time. But how much NBA basketball do you watch? And and if you do, we've been having a conversation around here all day about the MVP and who, who would be on a ballot if you had a choice to pick an MVP. And I'm, I'm curious as to the five guys you would have on yours. Um, my five guys would be um, – I watch the NBA all the time. I think Derrick Rose is, is, is one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think LeBron James is two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dwight Howard's three. I think right. uh, Kobe Bryant's four, mm-hmm. and I think Kevin Durant's five. Right, right. Um, I think Derrick Rose, what he's been able to do this year, has been tr- amazing. To lose both of your two stars at different points and periods of time, and to keep your team on top of the East is um, 
it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, you know, no matter what happens in the playoffs, it's, it's the MVP of the season. I think that's the, the way the award goes. And I think Derrick Rose is definitely the MVP of the season. No doubt. Are you still, uh, Twan, are you still doing the shimmy down there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't been really shimmying now. Nah, nah. <laughs> we heard Tony I'm a little Allen older now, man. I got to conserve my energy to get back to the <laughs> Somebody said that uh, Tony Allen's been doing it in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony's a good friend of mine, so I can, I can believe he's doing it. He's crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, he's one of my one of my guys. So yeah. that's that's gonna be possible. You mentioned Derrick Rose, and and we didn't really talk about it, but that Chicago basketball Twan has, has seems like there's been a, a resurgence of players from Chicago maybe since you've been in the league in terms of numbers. Um, you know, Derrick Rose, Tony, lots of different guys. Do you is there a, is there kind of a fraternity among Chicago players as well in the summer where you guys get together and play? Yeah, it's, it's it's not as good as it should be, but mm-hmm. we do. Um, we usually all kind of reside around Tim Grover's uh, training facility mm-hmm. for at least five or six weeks where everybody comes in and plays and, and tries to get back in shape. Um, Derek has yet to, to kind of join that fraternity. I think he trains out in um, California, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not for sure who it with, but he trains in California. But majority of the guys are, are usually real close. They usually spend a lot of time together in the summer working out. And um, Tim has a great facility. He has one of the best facilities in the country. So mm-hmm. a lot of us go there to work out. So we definitely do have um, a double a double whammy. So we, def- <laughs> we definitely have, um, I mean, it's probably current NBA players. You know, we've probably got 15, 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's currently playing the NBA. And then if you add, you know, the guys that have, you know, played two, three years in the league and, and maybe out, I mean, we, we can get up to 25 guys. So we get we get good workouts in the summer. Right, right. Now, Tuan, you you've been in the D League this season. What do you, when do you see yourself maybe getting that opportunity to get back in the NBA, man? Where where are you at in terms of the, um, that that process? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna tell you. I talk to my agent. I think uh, you know you want to come out. I want to come back and play and get get back get it back up under me. With a lockout, I don't know if it's it be it might not be wise. I still want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's a lockout, you know, that's a long process to wait. I mean, so if an opportunity for me to go overseas and play, I, I may take that. I mean, I don't know if I want to sit and wait again. You never know. So right. it's it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a wait-and-see game. Um, so when I leave here, just try to, you know, stay in the best shape possible and be ready. And, you you know, you hope it's the labor the – la- um, the labor, I mean, the group is done and, you, you know, you have a regular summer. So if you have a regular summer – you know, hopefully you get back this summer. Right. But right. if not, I mean, it's going to be tough if it's a lockout because you never know when it's going to start back. Right. Well, man, wherever you go, we're going to keep an eye on you, man, and we appreciate you so much joining us on the podcast, Juan. Good luck. And uh, and make sure you tell Coach Livingston and everybody out there we said hello, man. Oh, no problem. All right, fellas. Thanks. Okay, Thanks, now. Thanks Juan. Take care. Appreciate it. You know, uh, Lang, he, he raised a really interesting point. Um, you know, you forget about you, – you think about the – what could happen with the, with the CBA negotiations and you think about the, you know, 400 plus, almost 500 players or whatever it is in the NBA. But you forget about all those other guys trying to get to that level and what a potential, you know, labor right. strife or a work stoppage or whatever it might end up being could mean for all these other hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of guys working towards that or dreaming about doing that and – the foreign leagues can see some really good basketball if we don't get this thing worked out. Yeah. Well, I know there's some – some guys have talked about that as an option. And yeah. I know there's 
there's also questions of insurance and and you know what happens if, if someone got injured there, right? Um, and all those things, guys who are already under contract. But uh, yeah, there there <laughs> could be quite an influx over there of talent. Um, I would imagine I would imagine you'd volunteer to go over and hang out in Spain, maybe if that happened. Yeah, I could I could take on the check uh, out Ru- Ricky Rubio, and then you know I'll take on the Barcelona beat. <laughs> That's good though, but I, I, it's funny. I, I really did. I, I saw Tony Delk on that bench uh, yeah. at Kentucky, and it made me feel so old. I was like, man, I remember when when these guys were in college, you yeah. know, playing, and now, and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago in my own head. And then I look and see, you know, how long Antoine's been playing, you know, how long Tony played in the NBA, and those guys. It's it's different, man. But I thought his his MVP list compared to Karan's was very interesting. Did you notice which name? He mentioned that that Karan didn't mention on his list. Which one? Dwight Howard. Yeah. I mean, I I love the MVP debate, by the way, um, because you can go in a couple different ways with it. You can go with with what your eyes tell you, or you can go with what the numbers tell you. And um, our our next guest is who else will we have on on our fiftieth <laughs> birthday celebration of the Hang Time Podcast? But NBA dot com's very own John Schumann. Um, our resident numbers guy. You know we got to talk with him. Uh, Shoot, let, let's dive right in, my man, and, and we appreciate you for joining us. Um, but tell us, tell us where we're going wrong in this MVP debate if if we don't pick Derrick Rose or LeBron James. Um, I think Stan Van Gundy said it best. I think <laughs> nobody nobody influences more possessions on both ends of the floor than Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's um, sort of a, the simple argument for Dwight. Right. And, you know, I can give you the the anti-Derek Rose argument pretty quickly, too, and that's just that, you know, the Bulls' success is mostly is more about their defense than it is about their offense. Mm-hmm. And simply um, – their defense is, is, is guys 1 through 12. It's not one guy. You know, I, I just find Tom Thibodeau more responsible for their success than Derrick Rose mm-hmm. just because of the defense versus offense thing. Um, and they're actually a much better defensive team with him not on the floor. Their bench unit is, is really where they're, they're, they're best defensively right. when they bring guys like Ronnie Brewer um, Taj Gibson and Omar Ashik onto the floor. That's when those guys they get really good defensively. Um, obviously, Lou Dang is a big uh, is a great defender mm-hmm. um, as well. So I, I think it's it's just a matter of you know looking at at why the Bulls are so good and starting with their defense. And obviously, they they wouldn't be nearly as good an offensive team without Derrick Rose. Right. But I think they would be just fine defensively without him um, if wow. you replace him with just sort of a you know a, a guy that's just not you know a, a sieve defensively. I think I mean and and he definitely deserves credit for becoming a better defender this year than he was last year. And I think mm-hmm. he's definitely improved. And I'm not saying he's a he's a negative influence on their defense. I just think if you take him off that team, they're they're still going to be a great defensive team. Because it's 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 one through twelve, and it, it's the other guys on the floor that are helping them defensively. Right. I mean, I, I I understand that argument. I'm just wondering though, you don't you don't just play one in. I mean, their their defense is great. And it, true, but you know, they, they got to have something else on the other end, and he is the catalyst for everything else on the other end, is he not? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. I mean, he's 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 their main cog offensively. But right, right now, offensively, they're they're 14th in the league offensively. They're just you know barely above average offensive team. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard for me to you know to say a guy's an MVP when his main influence is on the offensive end. Yet they're they're not even a top 10 team in that on that end of the floor. Well, so that's, where do that's you, just the way I the way I look at it from a numbers perspective. Right. Where would you rate Kobe from a numbers perspective? I think he's up there, especially. Um, I mean, he's really turned it on since the All Star break. I mean, they've only lost once since the break, and the last I looked, he was number one in plus minus since the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, you know, obviously he's not the most efficient scorer in the league, right. but. Obviously, they're a better team with him on the floor, um, but I think it, it's tough. But you got to—I think Gasol also deserves. I mean, if, a lot of credit for the Lakers. If you're just looking at the players, I think Gasol is almost right there with Kobe as far as you know how much credit each guy deserves uh, for their success. I mean, when you look at Gasol's numbers, you know, on and off the floor, I mean, he's just as important um, as Kobe's been. Uh, you know, shoe and I. I and the, the other thing is, if, if the other thing I, I like is you got to look at teammates like that. I mean, right. And and it's hard to even if you're just looking at defensive player of the year and you look at the Bulls. Okay, they're the best defensive team, but it's really like, like I said, it's one guys one through twelve. Mm-hmm. And then you look at at the the Lakers and and their success, and it's just you know you have Kobe, you have Gasol, and you have Lamar Odom, three guys who all. Have been have have had great years, and you look at the Heat, and you have LeBron and Wade and Bosh, and who all deserve some sort of recognition. But then you look at the Magic, and that's why I, I always lean towards Dwight Howard. Is you look at the Magic, and I mean Jameer Nelson is having is having an off year, and and once you get past Jameer, I mean, what do you have? You know, it, right. it, it's they've got two different supporting casts, and neither one has performed all that well. Right. I, just, and, I, just, I don't know. It's weird to me because I. I've, I know we've we've hand or we I'm saying we like we did it, um, but I know I know MVPs have been handed out in the past to guys who were great on one end and maybe not great on the other. Um, Steve Nash. Well, yeah, Steve I mean Nash, Nash comes to mind, but yeah. Um, and I don't. I mean, I'm saying I don't know how you. I the think thing the, is with Nash, with with Nash and him being a great offensive player, is the Suns had number one offense in the league, and that's why right. they were so great. Right. Is because because of their offense, and Nash was was, you know, the the obviously the biggest factor in that. Mm-hmm. And and yes, Mike D'Antoni deserves credit for that too, but right. Nash I think it was eight until this year, I think it was eight straight years where Nash was on the number one offensive team in the league and that goes back to when he was with with Dallas. So mm-hmm. I mean he took the number one offense from Dallas and, and was now and then became you know, had the number one offensive team in, in Phoenix. So that's the difference between saying uh, the difference between Nash and Rose is mm-hmm. that the Suns were great because of their offense. The the Bulls are great because of their defense, and that's the that's sort of the the one difference between those two guys that I see. And I think the Magic they're not as good defensively or offensively as they were last year, but they're balanced and they're a, a more balanced team than the Bulls. And I just see them, and, and obviously. Dwight doesn't have the support on either end of the floor um, that Rose does, especially with the de- on, on the defensive end with Chicago. Right. Do you, do you think if Chicago wasn't 
in in you know in the conversation and in and in the hunt for that top seed in the East that maybe Rose's MVP movement wouldn't be as strong as it is. I don't know. I can't tell you because I don't think he's the MVP. So you'd have to ask. No, I mean I'm just the saying people, the, the, the 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 yeah you know, probably the, yeah. probably but you'd have to ask the people who think he's the MVP. You know because if for me I don't I don't look at it that I, I yeah. would look at the top you know ten teams and really. And then look at, you know, when I break down the numbers, I look at, you know, how they are with him, that guy on the floor versus where, where they are without him out, not on the floor. Why is that team so good? Mm-hmm. And then look at the player's influence. I mean, the other thing is, and, and it's, it's a valid point, and I think Mark Stein tweeted it the other, way, the other day, is that, you know, the other, you know, 14 guys on that roster don't buy into what Thibodeau is selling unless Rose does you know, to start. Mm-hmm. And and there's the, that intangible aspect to it that this guy's the leadership part of it, you know, that, yeah. that you can't, mm-hmm. you can't quantify. And I'll, I'll admit you can't really quantify that, but I still think that there's, that it's all, it, you know, the, the, the Bulls, you know, success starts with defense. And I, I don't give Derek, I mean, I give him some credit for that mm-hmm. end of the floor, but not, not nearly as, as much as I would on his offense. So, so therefore, I mean, Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year, then maybe. I, that's the other thing I was thinking the other day. Is there's I was thinking about there's five really good candidates for coach of the year between yeah, Thibodeau, right. Thibodeau, Popovich, Doug Collins, George Carl, and Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan, yeah. I would, and I would even argue that all five of those guys are better candidates for coach of the year than any one guy is for MVP. So that you could say, if you could name one of those guys coach of the year, and I have absolutely no argument, you know, I would say mm-hmm. that's a good pick. Whereas you sound like I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Dwight Howard's a great, great candidate for MVP. I just, I, I just see him influencing what the Magic do more than what Derek, you know, Derek Rose influencing what the Bulls do. So, I, mm-hmm. but I think like there's an argument against almost you know, all these MVP candidates. But there's not much argument against any of those five Coach of the Year candidates when you think about it. Right. What about I mean, look Phil at Jackson? Yeah, even Phil. I mean, that's – I mean, absolutely. He, he deserves a lot of credit, too, for how good they are and how they've sort of turned it on after the break. They've sort of, um, you know, got past their pre-break struggles, and, and they've obviously been the best team since the All-Star break. Um, so, yeah, six. Coach of the Year goes six deep. Um, I really like what Doug Collins has done, but I, I, you know, I, I sort of lean towards Thibodeau. Yeah. Mm. Sure. Let me ask you this: What's the one statistic, if we go back and look at, say, the past five NBA champions, that we can go back and study their regular season numbers, and that's the one common thread or thing about the championship teams that you could, that you could kind of dig up in their DNA from the regular season? Is there something like that? In, in... Well, there's there's the teams. There's a couple of teams that were just not that great mm-hmm. in the regular season, where they're going to stick out. Where you had, um, I guess, it was the last Lakers championship, and then you had the Heat championship, where they just weren't as good a team in the regular season. They just sort of turned it on right. when the playoffs started. Same with the Lakers a little bit, but I think it, it. I think it's. I mean, I've done sort of studies on this, and I think. Defense comes first, mm-hmm. whereas if you're a great defensive team, you're going to have a little bit more success in the postseason than if you're a great offensive team. Right. Especially if you know if you're talking about unbalanced teams, teams that are great defensively, not so great offensively, and vice versa. And 
I, I just think that it starts with defense. Like, even like the Lakers last year were a better defensive team than they were offensively. And then when the finals came, I mean, we remember that was a really defensive. It was an ugly, yeah. ugly series. Yeah. And it's like the Celtics were a great defensive team, but the the Lakers out defended them. You know, they yeah. were they ended up being the better defensive team. And I thought, but it also takes balance. The one thing I've looked, you know, at the Lakers last year and what's so amazing about it is they won two ugly series with the Celtics and with the Thunder. Those were two very defensive series. And then they won two really high-scoring series with the Jazz and the Suns. Suns They're yeah. too off. Like they had they have that ability. The Lakers have had that ability to play either way mm-hmm. and to be great on either end of the floor. And that's ultimately what it, what it takes. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics, even though they won the championship with their defense, they're still a great offensive team at times when they really turn it on and when they really share the ball and every, everything's clicking. In some ways, though, isn't – I mean, didn't we just kind of ask you for the holy grail? Like, <laughs> you have to be good So we know exactly who's going to win the title. Yeah, I have no clue. I mean, la- I mean, last year was really – from the statistical perspective, last year was um, was a hit. It were, or, you know, was was confusing because mm-hmm. the Lakers and the Celtics were just so – mediocre especially down the stretch right. yeah and they did not their their regular season numbers did not say championship you wow. know when you looked at their regular season numbers so mm-hmm. obviously you know when you're looking at regular season numbers this year you, it's hard to say okay like you looked at I, I mean if you looked at regular season numbers last year orlando was the best team in the league Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cleveland had the best record but statistically orlando was better as far as point differential mm-hmm. So, and then obviously they, you know, they came up short against the Celtics, fell down three nothing. So, after blowing through the first two rounds, so right. it's hard. You can't, you can't just lean on the statistics, um, the regular season statistics, to try to figure out who's going to win. I mean, it'll, it'll give you some clues. Right. And you can look at matchups and stuff like that, but. Obviously, you know, the playoffs are a different animal. There's experience that comes into play, and and you, you can't really. Like I said, you can't really lean on the regular season numbers too much. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you you look at these potential playoff matchups, um, and I'm I'm curious which one which one sticks out to you is the the one that could really turn into the biggest dogfight in terms of potentially a six seven game series that's really really you know a, a tug of war for the two teams in it. As far as the first round? Yeah, and I mean, we can only go by what, what they would be today. I, I referenced the uh, NBA.com playoff picture page earlier, um, which I know you probably looked at a thousand times a day. Yeah, I, I would look at if Boston and Miami switch places, like Miami's a half game behind Boston right now, and you have a Boston-Philadelphia matchup, I mm-hmm. think that could be interesting. Because Philadelphia's played the Celtics tough three mm-hmm. times this year, and not just when the Celtics have been struggling. They, right. The Celtics were playing really well early in the season, and uh, they came to Philadelphia as a game that went down to the final possession um, where KG got that lot. Uh, Iguodala hit like a crazy scoop shot to put the mm-hmm. Sixers up one, and yeah. then they ran a lob for KG that he converted to, to win the game. Um, I like that. I would love that series. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great, a really fun watch. Obviously, it depends on how healthy the Celtics are and Shaq's back, and obviously that's a, that's a huge size disadvantage for Philadelphia. But they're just a they're a, a plucky team, sort of on both ends of the floor, and, and a lot of fun to watch if they get going. 
Um, that would be, and then on the West, obviously Oklahoma City, Denver would be uh, really entertaining. Heck, mm-hmm. Dallas, Portland, right? That'd yeah. be great. Great, that'd be great too. Um, so I, I think there's potential for some. I don't know. I don't know. If I could say there's an upset, a clear upset pick mm-hmm. out of the matchups right now, but I think there there's a chance for some some long series. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, we we couldn't have done this. 50th show without you we we got to get you we got to get the professor on here to break it down for us and shoe we appreciate it as always um great stuff on the hang time blog uh all the time is you know how much i appreciate that and uh hopefully we'll catch up with you in the playoffs somewhere here hopefully we'll be in the same arena at some point here during the playoffs (laughs) Uh, absolutely all right right, man take it easy yep later lang he uh i mean he he makes a convincing case when he starts talking about impact on a game on both ends of the floor. I mean that I I love the debate that we tend to have what seems like every year um, right. about MVP and that sort of stuff. I still don't agree. I still I have a hard time handing the MVP trophy to a guy whose team finishes fourth mm-hmm. or fifth or whatever in you know in their conference when there's a guy who's having a a career year for what could end up being the best team in the conference or the league. Um, so they, the the stat crowd is going to have to give me some more evidence to not think Derrick Rose should should win this thing. And and I and I like I said I keep hearing these two sides banging the drum. Like I hear I talk to scouts and see scouts at games, and I ask them the same question. They all say Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose. And then I you know that the, the the guys on that on the stat side will tell you in a heartbeat that you know Rose is not the key to what's going on in Chicago. So it's very interesting. I haven't decided. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about it, but I haven't made up my mind. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, shoe, make, shoe makes me think about it now. Now I'm feeling like, okay, i got to go back and look at this again. Cause shoe, <laughs> shoe doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't get wild and crazy. He just breaks it down like real nice and plain for you mm-hmm. and explains to you exactly why you're dead wrong. So, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. But, uh, you know. Give us plenty to think about over a long basketball weekend of, you know, again, we got to thank our guests that came on with us earlier. Karan Butler, the Dallas Mavericks. Shout out to he and his UConn Huskies. Uh, and then Antoine Walker, the Idaho Stampede, formerly of the University of Kentucky. And uh, his Wildcats earned the Final Four. Uh, very interesting, very interesting weekend of basketball coming up. Huge NBA games going on. Thursday night TNT doubleheader. Uh Lang, I hope you actually uh, stay put in the states this weekend. No more frivolous vacations, you know, in Europe. Uh, frivolous. Yeah, we got to get down to business, brother. It's, bas- it's playoff time coming up. You I'm know? ready. I'm ready to watch the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. You've been hanging out, you know, eating fancy meals and you know, rolling with wifey all over the world. It's time to work, bro. I'm ready, man. That's all why right. I went now. <laughs> Come back because I know, like next, starting like next week, it. Then we get the 40 games and 40 nights. You better believe it. Yeah. You better believe it. So I'm ready. All right, man. Well, listen, 50th episode of Hang Time Podcast. We appreciate you for uh, diving in with us, as always, here. Micah Hart, our super producer. Jonathan pushing all the buttons in there. Lang Whitaker, my co-host. This is Seku Smith, and we will see you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.